Amen. Amen. Give God another hand of praise this morning. I mean, it's grateful today that God has met your needs. That he's a need meter today. If I look back over my life, I was thinking last night, and God just kept, I won't say waking me up, but he kept speaking to my soul. Throughout the night, things would happen. Uh, call them dreams, call them visions, call them experience with God. Throughout the night, it was like God was reminding me he's been there for me. Even in moments when I felt like I was all alone. Amen. How many knows the Lord is there? He's with us. Give him praise today. He works in so many ways. God has so many mighty, mighty things that he has done. And it radiates his glory. For those of those folks out there that don't believe in God, I don't know how you could look at all of nature and creation and not see his glory in it. Amen. Man didn't make it. God did. Come on, somebody. You say, well, we plant trees and we crossbreed and we make all kind of crops. Let me tell you something. God made the first seed and the dirt to put it in. Amen. I'm grateful today. It's God Almighty who made it all. And I'm, wonder, I'm just so wonderful to know Him today as my Savior. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 4. God spoke this in my spirit Wednesday night. Oh, Lord, what a time we had in here Wednesday night. Just the good presence of God. God has been speaking and you know, just moving so mightily. As I was going home Wednesday night and actually got into my house, I could not shake this from my spirit. We don't need to get so in tune with church that we get out of tune with God. Amen. What I mean by that is I'm talking about simply losing our relationship and missing the glory. Years ago, there was a song that come out that said, don't let me miss the glory of God. And I don't want to miss his glory. First Samuel 4. Stand with me, if you will, as we read God's word this morning. So good to have each one of you. Look at somebody and smile at them real big. Say, I'm glad you're here. And I hope you're glad I'm here. Hallelujah. No better place we could be. 1 Samuel 4, beginning with verse 19. The Bible said, Now his daughter-in-law, finest wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bound herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women stood, who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory, I want you to listen to this phrase, The glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. She said the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Notice what she's saying here. I want to preach for a few moments on this thought. His glory in my story. The ark of God had been captured. And her reasoning for saying that the glory of God had departed. If you really study this thing, yes, God dwelt where the ark dwelt. But I want to go ahead and tell somebody, the ark was in the hands of Israel at the second attempt to defeat the Philistines. They still lost the battle with the ark there. The glory of God had left before the ark did. And you would say, preacher, what do you mean by that? 
As I begin to share with you this morning on the thought of God's glory, I want you to understand that His glory rests where hearts love Him, want Him, and obey Him. Amen? Somebody ought to give Him praise. That's where His heart dwells today. As we preach from this thought, let us pray. Father, we love You. God, we're so grateful for Your presence in this place. Just to know that our Savior is here, Lord, and he's meeting every need. Father, it's your glory, it's your grace working in our lives. Let us never take for granted today the things that you desire to do and your glory in us. Let us never get so in tune with church that we miss out on our relationship with you. Father, let us be focused. Let us have a heart that is hungering and thirsting. God, to please you, to love you more. Oh, God, to press into the place where your glory, God, is relevant and revealing in our lives and in our church. Lord, we'll give you the glorious praise you so wonderfully deserve. And everybody said, amen and amen. Touch somebody around you and tell them, don't miss the glory of God. This is a very familiar story, but one that God would not let me get away from. And I just want to back up and say this again, that as important as the Ark of the Covenant was, and it was a place where the Lord dwelled, and the Ark of the Covenant eventually ended up in the Holy of Holies, where the high priests would go in as they would make the sacrifices and go in to, to bring the petitions before the Lord. And we know that the story goes on throughout the Old Testament that everywhere the Ark of the Covenant was was a, a signal to the children of Israel that God was with them. And, uh, and truly he was in so many ways. There were so many times when the ark being there uh, had relevance and the ark being there revealed the power of God and his glory. But in this particular instance, God began to speak to me and I just began to read and I noticed through these uh, verses here in 1 Samuel chapter 4 some things that were very enlightening, especially in a generation that we live in today. Sometimes I think we'd rather have church than we had get in his presence. Sometimes I think we would rather go through the motions than we had truly come into the place where God's glory is revealed in our lives in very great and powerful ways. Uh, I have seen many times and often many times that many times people would rather control God than let God control them and have his way. I have seen it in ministry, I've seen it in revivals, I've seen it so often even in my life that the temptation was there to kind of stand in the way because we don't understand certain things and we don't understand how God's trying to move. So rather than let God move, we sometimes would just uh, go ahead and try to interject ourselves in there and, 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 and sometimes uh, we can hinder a halt and move that God so richly desires to pour into our lives, amen. How many knows that God wants to work in your life individually today? He wants his glory to be revealed in you. He wants his glory to be revealed in your family. He wants his glory to be revealed in your church. As we begin to see the things that are happening here in the second battle of the Philistines, backing up to the first part of that chapter, you'll find that they had attempted to defeat the Philistines, lost the battle, and then the elders of the church came and they said, well, we, we don't really understand what happened. We thought God's favor was upon us, that his glory was here. And then they realized, uh, thinking back now, well, the Ark of the Covenant is down in Shiloh. So they sent men to go bring the Ark from Shiloh up to, to the place where the battle was being held. And when the ark got there, they began to go again into warfare against the Philistines. This time the Philistines realized, they didn't the first time, but they realized this time that the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Though they knew it to be important, they also, if you re read the scriptures, will find that they said no matter whether they've got the ark of the covenant or not, we have to fight this battle. And so men, you need to take courage, you need to rise up and let's go to warfare. I'm going somewhere with this. So they begin to rise up and they begin to see that even though the ark of God was there, uh, that the children of Israel was losing the battle. 
I want somebody to understand today just because you come to church don't mean God's favors on your life. Just because you go, you you were raised in a Christian home, or maybe in a in a in a home, uh, in a family, Amen. To God, that were God fearing people, Christian people, does not make God's glory show up in your life. It doesn't make God's favor show up in your life. As a matter of fact, you need to understand something that that, that is in this scripture today. The ark of God was very important to the historical truths of God's covenant with his people. But what God desires more is a heart of obedience. And there were some things that were happening in the priestship concerning Eli and concerning his sons that had brought them to this place. I want somebody to understand today, we can have just as much of God as we desire to have. Amen. Amen. Touch somebody around and say, I want more of God. I want more of God. We can have just as much or just as little as we desire to have of God. And somebody said, well, God don't reveal himself in, in those supernatural spiritual ways anymore. Let the devil get behind you. Come on, somebody. Don't you know the glory of God is more than just a testimony? It is his power being manifest in your life and in your circumstance. And I want to tell somebody today that if you don't have God's glory in your story, you can If you don't have God's glory in your life today, you can have God's glory in your story. And the children of Israel at this particular time, they needed God's glory in the story. But the problem was they had some people that were trying to do things their way. They had some people that were taking advantage of the the things of God. They were taking advantage of the people of God. They were doing things that God had not ordained, but they were expecting just because they had the Ark of the Covenant to receive, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying, the glory of God. Somebody would say, well, where's the glory of God? I'll tell you where it's at. It's in humility. It's in repentance. It's in the place, I wish somebody would shout amen. It's in the place where we realize again, amen, to God that there are things that sometimes can get in our way and cause us to miss what God really wants to do in us and in our church. And it simply comes from an attitude that I'm going to do what I want to do rather than what God would have me do. And I'm telling you this, when this happens, God, he just steps aside and says, well, go ahead, buddy. Go ahead and do it your way. And when you find out it don't work, there's all always a place you can go. Come on, somebody, and realize that God is there waiting. He desires for his glory to move in your life. For the backslidden child of God, he desires his glory in your life again. For the church that has lost its fervency and its fire, he desires for his glory to rest again. I wish somebody would hear this morning, God is calling us to get back into the place in our hearts and in our minds that we desire desire his glory again and again. Amen. Come on, somebody. We're not up here trying to entertain folks and give them a good a good choir practice or, or even a good sermon or even a, a ministries, amen, that, that looks so beautiful. My goodness, the glory of God and his anointing upon them will bring the beauty upon them. Amen. Can somebody shout amen? Oh, I'm telling you, the glory of God comes in power and majesty today. When God touches a life and God begins to move in a life, he is glorified by what is happening in their life. He brings anointing. That anointing glorifies God. He brings salvation. That salvation glorifies God. He sanctifies. That glorifies God. He fills with the Holy Ghost. That glorifies God. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. When his glory comes, it does all these things. It accomplishes Man, I'm telling you I feel something in here. When his glory comes, it leaves a manifestation of his grace and the power of his glory. That's why they wanted God to move in the battle. Amen. 
That's why they needed God to be in the midst of what was happening. Because they knew in their mind, if they had God's favor, God's glory would show up. If God's glory showed up, there was no way the enemy could defeat them. Come on, somebody. I, I, I just come to help some folk today. Understand that we don't need to get so connected to church that we miss his glory. That we miss the relational communion with God that brings about a manifested power of his grace and glory. Come on now. We've learned how to commercialize church. We've learned. Can I tell somebody this? You can have church in the middle of a cornfield. If God's there, you can have church. If God's there, it don't matter. You can have church. If God's glory's there, you can have church. I've had church in my car. The glory of the Lord fell upon me as I was riding down the road. I've had church. I've had church in my bedroom. I've had church in my bathroom. I've had church in my living room. I've had church in my office. I've had church walking down the hall, coming to the sanctuary. When the glory of the Lord shows up in your life, you get ready. It's going to manifest the grace and power of God. It does not matter today, church, that we can put our hands on a pew, walk into a sanctuary and call it church. But it does matter if we miss his glory. Things get in our way. Things happen that can cause us to miss the fullness of God. Well, what do you describe the glory of God as? I describe it, it's been described in so many ways, I simply describe it as this. It is the manifest revelation of all. Somebody shout all. All that God has and is in majesty and power. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible said, Moses had gone down to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. He said, who told you? Who is telling me to let my people go? He said, I am that I am. I am. Whoo. Come on, somebody. The mistake they made was confining God to an ark. Don't make the mistake of confining God to a sanctuary or confining God to a... God showed up, give him praise. God showed up in a desert, somebody. He showed up in a desert in a burning bush. He didn't show up at the altar in the church. He showed up in a desert. Somebody needs to hear that God through his glorious grace can work through your life and he can do it anywhere, anytime to accomplish whatever he desires to accomplish. He met Moses at a burning bush. By the time Moses got to Pharaoh's door, knocked on it, he said, who is coming? What are you trying to tell me? He said, I am that I am. Said, come and tell you, let my people go. Who is this I am? This is the I am that's going to part the Red Sea and drown your men in it. This is the I am that met me in a burning bush and spoke to me. This is the I am. This is the I am. This is the I am that raised Lazarus from the dead. This is the I am that calls the lame to walk. This is the I am that'll save your sons and your daughters. This is the I am. Come on, somebody. This is the I am who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. I am that I am comes in majesty and glory. He comes to reveal his grace. He comes to reveal his saving power. David described it as this, who is the king of glory? I didn't sing a special today, so y'all give me another hour. 
finish. Who is the king of glory? He described him as the king of glory. You know what glory is? Described in so many ways, essentially. Webster describes it as this. He said, it is a high renown of honor won by notable achievements. I said, thank you, Webster. That's pretty good. You know how that's good? Because he is high, high, higher than any glory could ever be described. He is the king of glory. Why? Because he created man out of the dust of the earth, breathed in their nostrils, and they became a living soul. Ain't nobody ever done that. Nobody ever parted the Red Sea and let the children live, but God. Nobody could ever raise Lazarus from the tomb, but God. Nobody could ever save Moses from the annihilation of Pharaoh, but God. Nobody, but God. He's a king of glory, amen. Nobody could keep David in power after all David had done to sin against God and Israel. It was God by his glory and grace that covered him and kept him because of David's humility. David knew, don't get in the way of God. His glory is that valuable to your life. Somebody tell him it's good for you. God's glory is that valuable to your life. His favor is that valuable. It don't matter. If you fail, understand this. If you're trying to cover it up, God just going to stand back. But when you get like David and say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me. I repent. God's glory will cover you. David said, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Mm-hmm. The Lord mighty in battle. I just want to remind somebody today that we're not serving a name. We're serving an identity and a power that this world has never known. In the Bible, they serve many gods. Dagon being one of them. Had no power at all. Oh, but the ones who knew God and did not know him as a name, they knew him as a identity. They knew him as king of glory. They knew him as mighty in battle. They knew him as holy. They knew him as righteous. As a matter of fact, David said, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above the earth. Psalm chapter 72, verse 18, the Bible said, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth, somebody shout whole earth, let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen, amen. Don't let the whole earth be filled with our church services. Don't let the whole earth be filled, amen, with with pictures of, of, of religious actions. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. His glory, his anointing, his. Somebody told me one time, well, we got to have television so we can reach the airwaves. No, television is good for a lot of reasons. Live feed is good for a lot of reasons. But I got news for you. Pat and Charlie will take you places just like TV will. They'll be on TV trying to raise money, wearing $10,000 rings on their fingers, trying to raise money so they can keep their network going. 
Now, I want to tell you something. I thank God for, t- for Christian TV, for people that can't be in church and they need a word from God. Or maybe church ain't going on, they need a word from God. But don't you tell me that you need your TV station to reach the end of the earth. Jesus said, you go. You go. Amen. And there's people that have gone. And there's people, not only in the IPHC, the church of God has them, Baptists have them, there's missionaries everywhere. And they've gone into these places to do what Jesus said do. And you know what? The glory of God is with them. And they're going in His strength and in His power. And the whole earth is being filled with His glory. Amen to God. I come to tell somebody today, I'd rather see the lame walk than have a another dead dry service I'd rather see the blinded eyes open than have another dead dry service I'd rather see the glory of God than have another service as usual I want to see the glory of almighty God in our denomination in our church and across this earth again I want to see it You believe God can do that? Help me, Holy Ghost. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 5 said, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He was speaking of the salvation of the Lord through Jesus Christ. When he was born, the glory of God was revealed. As he lived, the glory of God was revealed. As he died, the glory of God was revealed. He was buried in a tomb, but on the third day, The glory of God was revealed. The glory of God is transcendent in the fact, as I said before, that the I am that I am has spoken to Moses. The glory, the king of glory had spoken from a burning bush, sent him down to Pharaoh's house, delivered the message. And in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3 through 6, he said, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah, His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. Oh, God, him. Anybody ever run into somebody and you just knew the glory of God was on their life? His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand. There his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered the perpetual hills bowed his ways are everlasting someone said it this way one time and I would have to somewhat agree with this statement never has God's glory ever left but man has left God's glory I said come on somebody what a word Never has God glory. It could, because God is everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's a spirit. He's down by the lake when you're fishing. Come on, somebody. Give him glory if you want. Yeah, and he's down there around your house in your yard. He's down there in the woods. He's on your vacations with God is everywhere. Can't escape him. He's all seeing, all knowing. Knows the very heart of all humanity. That's God. Oh, Jesus, help us. But then when you begin to think about what's happening here, God never left Israel, but their iniquities separated them. See, 
See, this is the thing. There, there, there's old songs. Sometimes we just got to look in our own lives and do inventory. But it's hard to do that when you think that you've arrived. Amen. I know people that are flat-footed stand in your face and declare to you that they are living holy and righteous, amen, to God when it is evident in their life that they are not where God needs to be. Now, I'm not the judge, but my goodness, if you're close enough to the God I'm close enough to, He'll let you know when you're doing wrong and you won't have a problem getting in tune with Him. Where His glory is, you'll never get into the glory trying to argue with yourself about whether you're where you need to be with God or not. The Holy Ghost don't lie. If he speaks to your heart, deal with it. Respond to it. There are people today that are missing the glory of God because they think they know more about how to, how, how to, uh, to have church and, and, and how to, to be holy than God does. Come on, somebody. We think we've arrived. Oh God, help us not to miss the glory. In Habakkuk, he is talking about uh, uh, describing the Shekinah glory of God as God went with them through the desert. It was a divine presence of God dwelling among them. He describes the nature of God's glory as being transcendent. This means simply this. It is beyond the range of human experience. In other words, they did not have the power to get from Egypt to the promised land without God's glory. Amen. We don't have the power to accomplish anything without God's glory. If we're going to fight and press forward and be the church God wants us to be, we've got to press into his glory. Amen. You can hire a thousand pastors, but we as a church have to move into his glory. Amen. Come on, somebody. His glory is majestic. It brings beauty and, and a fragrance and an aroma upon the congregation and upon us that will allow us to be able to do the ministry in this community and abroad that God wants us to do. We can't do it without His glory today. We need His glory. We need His glory to press forward in the moments where the enemy comes. Look at somebody saying, he'll come. The enemy will come. But I have never seen a man or woman of God, a boy or a girl, who put their faith in God. Ultimately lose. Amen. The world might think we've lost sometime. But with God, you never lose. Mm -hmm. Look at somebody say, I'm a winner. It don't matter what happens to me. I'm a winner. Because I have God's glory on my life. I have his glory living in me. I have his glory fighting for me. The reason why we're able to go through and to win the battles of our life is not because we have the knowledge, but we have his glory in his favor. The glory of God was proclaimed by the angels in Luke chapter 2 verse 14. It was proclaimed in Romans chapter 11 verse 36. Amen to God that God would be glorified forever and ever. The glory then began to enter the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40 verse 34 through 35 as the cloud of glory would follow them. I just want to break this down for a moment. God's glory filled the temple meeting. This was indicated that God's desire was to dwell amongst them. How many knows God wants to dwell not only in you but among you? 
It was indicative of God's desire to bless them. How many knows God wants to bless you? He wants to bless your church. It was indicative of God's desire to lead them and also God's love for them. The result of God's glory was that the Gentiles would also bless him in Zion. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 2, he said, Arise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Come on, somebody. I don't want a goose bump alone. I want his glory on my life. Amen. He said, I've come to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He said, I'm looking at a day when the glory of God will come in and take whatever's wrong in your life and turn it around. You may come into the house of God down, beat down by the whales of life but the spirit of God and the glory of God can touch you in such a way you may come in with your head down and leave with a shout in your life when the glory of God touches you that's enough to praise him for today I used to go to school, I remembered we'd go outside and we'd play and we'd get hot. Man, you get thirsty when you get hot, don't you? And I went to walking down the hall and I found a water fountain. That water fountain looked so good, but it had lost its glory. because the compressor wasn't working. So the water was coming out, but it wasn't refreshing. And as much as I tried to drink it, it had a warm, just no no appeal to it. I, I could not find what I was looking for in that broken water fountain. So we went around the corner on the way back to class. You've probably had this happen. And you're looking for something cool and something refreshing. And all of a sudden you see another water fountain. And this person was in front of me and I seen him. And when he hit that button, I heard, I said, I'm in the right place now. I have found the right water fountain. And I began to drink. After he got out of the way, I mean, he had people standing behind you wanting to get in line, but you didn't want to turn it loose. Y'all wait just a minute. Then you'd hear one of them say, don't drink all the cold water. I said, it's got a compressor, it's working. But when I got through with that water fountain, I raised myself up and I began to walk across the hallway feeling so good. How many knows that's the way God's glory will be? Amen. When it touches your life, when you've gone through dry seasons and all it will take for you is a move of God in your life and sometimes all you got to do is walk in his presence on purpose. Amen. Some of us need to get ready to come on purpose. We need to get in his glory on purpose. We need to seek his face on purpose. Not by accident, but God, you're everything I need. I need your glory. I need your glory today. Oh God, hit me. 
stand with me. I'm going to quit. I'm going to finish this up tonight. He said he'll give you. He will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning, beauty for the ashes, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. You know why God wants to pour his glory all over you and in you? Because it brings glory to him. I am so tired. Tired. What are you tired of, preacher? I'm not tired of being a pastor. I love being a pastor. Not tired of being your pastor. But I'm so tired sometimes of getting to the place where you feel like you're being borderline judgmental as a pastor, and I'm not. I preach what I preach because God put it in my heart, and I love you. It's not about judging. I'm not judging anybody. That's, that's the Lord's job, not me. I just wish that people could see that they could see what I have saw in my life. That there is nothing more important in this here life than knowing the Lord is your Savior. And walking in the glory of God that's in his favor and in his power. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing more important. Does that mean I can't enjoy earthly earthly things that are blessed of God? No. That means I ain't got time to be lying to my brothers and sisters in the church. I ain't got time to be faking stuff. I ain't got time to be walking around acting holy when I need to be at an altar of prayer. I ain't got time to be trying to get my agenda across. I just need to be thankful that I'm saved and that I'm walking in the glory of God and focusing on not being what Eli's sons were to a potential move of God's glory. Let me tell you this, where two or three are gathered, you can be in the presence of a hundred people and it don't take two or three in God's presence and God will move. But on the same note, it can take one person that can hold back. They are the key and they can hold back. I don't want to be that person. I don't want you to be that person. What Eli and Hophness was concerned about was being in control and getting what they could get out of it and doing what they wanted to do. And it cost Israel a great battle and the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. What does that mean to me? We ain't got time to focus on anything else other than what God desires for us. Look at somebody around you and tell them, I appreciate you. Now look at them and say, I ain't perfect and you ain't perfect. But he is. And I ask you, I ask you
I beg you. I beg you. Don't stand in the way. Because if you do, it could hinder folks around you from experiencing God on their level. Don't you give in. Don't you give in. You be faithful to God. If God puts you somewhere in a ministry or in a place of leadership or to use you, don't take advantage of that position. Use it to bless the Lord. Do what God says do with it. A preacher told me one time, he said, he come back to work on Monday morning and I was there and he said, man, I tell you, I really, boy, we had church yesterday. I skint them sheep. I said, man, that thing just broke my heart. So arrogant. He was bragging about it, how he skint the sheep. You know what happened to skint sheep? They die. Skint sheep die. I don't ever want to be known as somebody who skint sheep. Amen. I want to be known as somebody who knew how to get in the glory of God. Samson didn't always have it, but when he needed it, it was there. When he laid his head down in the lap of Delilah, he lost it because they they cut the covenant. And for a season, he lost it. But let me go ahead and tell you, the Bible said the hair started growing back. I believe this. If the hair hadn't have grown back, I believe this. If the hair hadn't have grown back and they would have taken his eyes out and placed him between two pillars, all Samson would have had to do is do what he did. Prayed unto God with a heart of repentance and said, oh God, just one more time. One more time, God. And God's glory would show up. The Bible don't say that, but I do believe that. Why? Because God is a God who is moved by a heart of faith. And obedience. We need to get engaged in His glory. We need to get engaged again. I'm asking you this question all over the church this morning. Do you realize that your relationship with God? Is all about his glory. Isaiah prophesied it. The glory of the Lord. Would rest upon his people. If you're a Christian today. The glory of the Lord should be resting upon you. Don't let that thought of Ichabod. Because of disobedience and stubbornness, keep you from walking in the grace and glory of God. When your life on earth is done, I'm going to say this and I'm going give, to give an altar call, but when your life on earth is done and they were to write on your epitaph about your life, I don't care how long you'd served the Lord, but whether you served him all of your life or in the latter part of your life, would they be able to say the glory of God transformed that life? And it was very evident because God's glory majestically moved through them. I've met people in life that I've said this before, I've said it often. They didn't have an easy life. In fact, everything was, was always going wrong. If it wasn't family trouble, it was sickness. If it wasn't sickness, it was financial trouble. I've known families that have been through trouble, but I've also known families that have been through that same trouble that knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They may not have rode to church in a BMW, 
They might not have come from a nice mansion when they pulled up. But when you laid your eyes on them, you could see the glory of God in their heart. I'm not saying don't drive BMW. If God bless you, wear it, dress it, drive it. But don't let it be your glory. I've known people dying and, 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 and the glory of God was on their life. Stephen was being stoned. I'm trying to close, but I... You know why he could look up, he saw the Lord? Oh, he saw the Lord. You know why he could say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm trying to tell them about your glory, but they don't want no part of it. I'm trying to tell them how good you are, and they don't want no part of it. Sometimes that's how it seems. I was raised in a, in a, in a young life, in a, in a denomination that believed in Christ, but they didn't believe in the Holy Ghost and power of God in that respect anymore. When I got older, I began to pray. I said, God, I know there's more to you than just knowing Christ as Savior and saying a prayer. I know there's more. God's glory is not just a fault. It's an experience. an experience why is it important Stephen said I'm trying to tell you the Lord forgive them for they know not what they do Saul was consenting to his death the man we later become to know as Paul watched him die Never did anything to stop it. But Stephen didn't miss the glory. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying? Don't you miss the glory. Don't you let pride keep you from missing the glory. Don't you let things get in your way and keep you from missing the glory. Don't you let unforgiveness get in your way that you miss the glory. Don't you let anything get in your way. I want to ask somebody today, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. If there's anyone in here that would say, Preacher, I'm not going to let anything let me miss the glory. Uh, whatever's, whatever may try to get in my way, I'm going to nail it to the cross right now. I'm, I'm getting it under the blood right now. I'm not missing the glory. If that's you this morning all over this church, I want you to come stand around this altar. Not only would you say, I'm not going to let anything get in my way, but God, I'm not going to let anybody keep me from the glory of God. I'm not going to let opinions, I'm not going to let influences keep me from the glory of God. Lord, I need you. I need salvation. Dear God, anybody else would come, come all over this church. God, here I am. Don't let me miss the glory, God.